welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Identity and Purpose series. Waiting. <laughs> Made you wait a bit. How do you feel when you're waiting? How do you react? How do you handle it when you're made to wait? <laughs> the story that Jesus told here is about waiting. In fact, there's three stories, one after another here, but this one particularly grasped me and I asked if I could actually choose this as the parable to speak because it means a lot to me. In this one, the master's gone off to a wedding feast fantastic he's having a wonderful time back at home his servants are left to wait for him and actually work for that waiting because they're told keep the lamps lit (laughs) there's work to be done and if it was cold probably keep the fire going and although he's been to a wedding feast by the time he comes home he could be hungry so have some food prepared but he could come and the first watch, that's within three hours, you know, six till nine, could have been nine till 12, could have been 12 till three, the third watch of the night. By which time, of course, the food is spoiled, the fire's gone out, they've got to do it all again. How do you think they would have felt having to keep all that going and it seems so pointless and he hasn't come yet? Could get really frustrating. And we can get frustrated when we're made to wait. Sometimes it's for trivial things, sometimes it's for things that are a lot more important and significant. There's a verse in the Bible, Habakkuk 2, 14, and it says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And yet we can turn the television on, pick up the newspaper, and think, it's not looking very glorious. Where is the glory of the Lord? Where is it? When will it come like we're being promised? We've been waiting and waiting. How do we handle this waiting? What's our calling as people who wait? This whole series is about identity and purpose. What's our identity and purpose as people who have to wait for what's promised? That's what I'd like to talk about this morning, what I want to draw out from the parable. We can be like David. Psalm 79 verse 5, a common prayer and it's repeated time and time again. How long, O Lord? How long? How long have I got to wait? Why is it taking so long? Why? There's no answer comes back to that. But God wants us to be those who are calling on him. We are called to stand as we wait to pray, part of keeping the lamp lit, the fire in us alive, praying. Also in Psalms, Psalm 147, the Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness, those who wait through the night watches like these servants did, because these servants got it right, following parables about servants who didn't get it right. (laughs) But these servants got it right. And there was a reward for them getting it right. 
our purpose and identity, part of it is to be people who wait. I don't think it's far off to suggest that in many ways the spiritual atmosphere in our world today is like the night, like the night watches, a dark night. We know the sun exists, but it's hidden. <laughs> we know the glory of God exists, but it seems to be hidden. How as the people of God should we live through the watches of the night on a worldwide scale or on our personal lives and experience? I think the first thing to do is to recognize the current reality, to be honest about what we're seeing and not pretend that actually the world isn't in a terrible state. It is. It's God's world. He created it. It's good. He's got good intentions for it, but actually sin has messed it up and it's in a mess. And we get messed up sometimes when the world hits us and we see the terrible things that people do and we, we, we seem shocked. But actually it's no surprise because sin is in the world and it's creating havoc. Our problem is, and, and um, when we talk about the Kenya charity, it wakens us up. When we go and see these places, it wakens us up to a different reality to what we're living here. And in many ways, we're cosseted and cocooned against the reality of the world. And sometimes, though, when you have situations like in Ukraine and in Turkey, particularly now, we can see actually the reality is the world is broken. There's a dark night. But I love this psalm. Well, also along the way, and a reassurance too that this isn't unexpected. Jesus prompts us, and often this isn't a verse we quote very often, but John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, Jesus promised. <laughs> so it's no surprise. Yeah? So let's not get shocked and disappointed when it happens. It's just part of the fallen world. We are in a fallen world, therefore we will have trouble. The question is, how do we cope with that? There's great reassurance, though. The psalm I love is Psalm 74, 16. It says, yours is the day. Yours also is the night. You've prepared the light and the, and the sun. You've established the boundaries of the earth. You have made summer and winter. Yours is the day. Yours also is the night. It's not that the devil owns the night. Why? Because God created night. He created day and night. He created light to rule in both of those situations. The sun for the day, but also the moon and the stars for night. He didn't leave the night without rule, without order. And one of the great orders in, 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 the, in the creation is to see the order in in the stars and the regularity with which they come and the predictability of them. It speaks of God's order. God's in control. God rules even in the darkness. And the lights are there. In our personal lives and when we think about the kingdom of God, the lights for us and for me recently have particularly been the words God has spoken. His light comes into the world. Jesus, the word of God, came into the world. His word brings light. It's a light to our feet and lamp to our, a lamp to our way and a light to our path. One the other way, or the other way around. It's a light. Now, some of you know, in, in October, I got a, a, a diagnosis of, of bowel cancer and I was scheduled an operation. Um, that was then delayed a month. I had to wait. 
And in that time, um, in fact, the day I got the diagnosis, um, I visited my brother's bookshop here. If you know, he, he owns the, the, the Life Bookshop in, in town. And on the shelf, arrived that day on the second-hand bookshelf was a book. I went straight for it. I didn't know. I picked it up. And he said, oh, that's just come in today. <laughs> picked up the book, opened it up, and there was a verse there. In fact, there was a, a lot of verses came along, but one particularly. Um, Jeremiah 30, verse 17 was quoted in it, and it says, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Now, it's there. It's always there. It's always in the Bible. But at that point, at that moment, God set it up. And I'm reading that book and reading through the Psalms as well, day after day, for Psalm 50, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will rescue you. And these things just popped up each day. Psalm 30, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. God highlighted these verses. Time, there were lights, lights in the darkness. And they just felt to me, just a guiding word, God was saying, I'm going to bring you through. So although I had to go through all sorts of horrible stuff, the promise was, I will bring you through. Jesus said, in this world you have trouble, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Our favorite psalm of people, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 doesn't promise that he will take us out of the valley. <laughs> he says, I, you will go through it, but I will be with you in it. It's interesting when Jesus chose the disciples in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they would go and do amazing miracles and wonderful stuff, which is great, and that's often the bit we think about. But firstly, he chose them to be with him. Jesus wasn't going to do his work on his own. It's so important that we've got people with us. That was right at the beginning of his ministry, right towards the end then in the Garden of Gethsemane. What happens? He's going into the garden. It says, Mark 14, he took with him Peter, James, and John. He was deeply distressed and said, my soul's consumed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. What could they do, right? Nothing they could do could, could prevent him from having to go through what he had to go through. And yet, he valued and he wanted with him. One of the things that really touched me in the process of the, the cancer treatment and so on and, and getting a diagnosis was having friends and family around. We had some friends came, they, were gonna, they had a card, they were going to put it through the door, but instead they knocked the door and they came in. And that was so much more. It didn't make, they, they didn't do anything different, they couldn't stop me having to go through what I was going through, but they were there, present with me. Now, I don't know if it was part of his technique or what he did, but the, the guy who was doing the, the initial investigation uh, that showed up the cancer after he'd taken his photographs and stuff. He could have just said, right, well, that's it. I'll hand you over. But he came across and he put his hand on my shoulder and told me what's going on. The physical presence makes a difference. I think in this time of dark, dark night, one of our key purposes, identity and purpose, is to be physically present for people. 
None of us needs any qualification or skill or talent to be a companion, a friend, to be physically present. We can write ourselves off and say, what can I do? You know, I, I can't go to Kenya, I can't do whatever. You can be a companion, you can be a friend, you can be present. And I just feel it is a prophetic word to us as a church, a community of God's people at this point in time to be physically present for people. For lots of people we're going to meet and they're going to have situations that we can't do anything about. But if we're there with them, just like Jesus in the garden, the disciples couldn't do anything about what he was going through, but they could be with him. And Jesus wanted that. One of the things that keeps coming up and up in, in, the, in the scriptures is the idea of watchmen. And because Jesus said to the disciples in, in Gethsemane, he says, were you not able to keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray. And this is what your Friday evening, <laughs> our Friday evening will involve. It's watching and praying, being attentive to the Holy Spirit. Isaiah says, on your walls, Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and night, they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, keep no rest for yourselves. We can all do that. We can all remind God of what he's promised that he would do. He, you don't know what he's promised to do? I read it at the beginning. That the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. We've prayed it earlier. Your kingdom come. You don't know what else to pray. Pray that. Your kingdom come, God. Your kingdom come in this town. Your kingdom come in this street. Your kingdom come in this family. We can all do that. So we can all be present, and we can all pray. We can all be watchmen. Pray, your kingdom come. Rome Williams, the, one of the previous archbishops, wrote a book on discipleship, which is, is really good. And he talked about prayer and he said this, and it particularly appealed to me, because like Graham, I, I like bird watching. And uh, he said, prayer is like bird He says, long periods of apparent inactivity, followed by a flash <laughs> of inspiration, or a flash of blue as a kingfisher flies by. And when that happens, you go home happy because you've achieved what you set out to achieve. And we can feel that our prayers are not achieving anything, but we are being watchmen, we are being faithful, just like these servants in the story. The master hadn't come yet, he hasn't come, he hasn't come, but they were still faithful, they were still keeping prepared, keeping the lights on. And when the master came and found them that way, he waited on them, which is the wrong way around, because that wasn't the plan. I don't know if you've got that. It's the humor in, in, in the parable the whole idea was that they would be ready to wait on him when he came back. But he came back and he waits on them. <laughs> and that's what God does for us. <laughs> God calls us to a Sabbath rest, a rest in him, where we feel we've got to be, all the time be doing great things for God. And he says, no, let me do great things for you. So Jesus didn't want to face things on his own. He doesn't want us 
to be alone either. You notice when he sent the disciples out, he didn't send them out alone, did he? He sent them out in pairs. He didn't want them to do the work on their own. And when he went back to the Father, when he ascended, he didn't want us to be alone either. Matthew um, 8, 28, he says, Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you. He'd gone into heaven. What happens? He said he'd left us, well, he actually left us two things. He left us peace and the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 26, he says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. And that's the thing that's often quoted. But the next verse, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I have to say that in the period that I've been experiencing through the sickness and the, and the treatment, which has now been completely successful, thank the Lord, and thanks everybody who's been, been, been praying, but there was a huge sense of peace, which is unexplained. It talks about a peace beyond understanding, and, and that's what I experienced, and just value because of the prayers and, and faithfulness of people praying, supporting. I just knew that peace, that gift. He sent the Holy Spirit, and he leaves us peace. So we can go through this rubbish but have peace as, as we go through it. What are we doing? Okay. You can see there was an awful lot more I could have said. <laughs> but just draw it to a conclusion here. Um, there are two ladies in the scriptures and they're often talked about Mary and Martha Martha so desperate to do great things for Jesus Martha just content to be with him and Jesus said Mary's chosen the, the better one be content to be with him you know you know who your best friends are they're the ones who you can just hang out with you don't have to be doing anything. You don't have to be talking about anything. You can just be together. And that's how God wants us to be with him. And that's how he invites us to be with him. We're going to be singing a song in just a moment. <laughs> and it's just come to me while I've been preparing this, and it's a song that just says, To be in your presence to sit at your feet. When your love surrounds me, you make me complete. This is my desire. And it just grounds us and roots us. And God just enjoys our presence, wants us to enjoy his presence. So Father, I thank you that you have given us the promise of your Holy Spirit and of your peace. That you've called us to be your friends to be with you. And I thank you that you are our best friend. So we don't have to bother about what we're achieving by being with you. You're content and want us to be content with the fact we're just together. And in that, that's such a, a reassurance, a help, and a healing. And I just pray, Father, your presence with us as we worship you now.
and invite you to just make yourself known in a fresh and new way with us this morning as we sing. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.